Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. We haven't done this in a while, it feels like. I was just going to say that. Yeah, where are you? Well, and I, I can't hear myself because I don't have headphones. I... Is your mic on? Oh, you can't Is hear. It? It. Yeah, you're. Good. Oh, okay. I keep talking. So anyway, welcome <laughs> to Legacy Matters podcast. Welcome to Legacy Matters. Hi, Thanks for tuning Sarah in. And Sam. <laughs> Hi, welcome. Thanks for listening. Um, just a reminder to subscribe. Oh yeah. And share and like us on your podcast uh, platform of choice. That Whoever really you helps may us. be. And we also have a new Legacy Matters <laughs> podcast. Facebook page. Ooh. Ooh, how exciting. <laughs> and Instagram. You know, well, it's one, coming that's along. still more popular than Facebook. Sure. So anyway, check us out there. And uh, Jim, weather? Weather. Okay, well, it's we got a couple so days easy. after Christmas now, mm-hmm. after the sort of that holiday, anyhow. A mm-hmm. um, couple days before New Year's Eve, and it is snowing today. Snowing. We are still in December, and it's... It's really snowing today. So we might really get, you know, snowing. like six inches yeah. today. That's so, what I hear. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, winter. It's a winter, it's a winter you wonderland. Ha- you actually have a weather update this <laughs> I time. do. I do. Sometimes, I, sometimes you know, it's, it's pretty good. Sometimes it's totally BS, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but today it's, you know, chilly and snowy and snowing and And uh, like snow, freezing. winter storm advisory until like 11 p.m. And right. It's, it's Right. It's early, so that so, must mean we're going to get some. Yep, so it's still in the morning before noon, so we're cutting out early today. <laughs> oh, we are, are we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> I was the last one in the studio this morning, so I guess I can't. Right. Like, yep. I, I have to be the last to leave then, right? Yep. So, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, good Christmas, you guys, real quick. <clears throat> great. Great, yeah. Great yeah. holidays, yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, that's why we haven't done this in a little while, mm-hmm. and why we haven't been in here working on feverishly working on preserving everyone's memories right right trying trying working on it um all right well is it me i should do this you should do all it. right we have our guest <laughs> I mean, we have a guest to introduce who's been all so quiet over there okay so mari yes. right free slaving Good job. Wow. Yes. Oh, yes. nice. You're doing it. Yes. For a Monday morning. <laughs> Mari, welcome. Thank yes, you. thanks for thanks coming Thanks for coming in, in on yeah. this snowy winter wonderland. Yeah. Yes. Thanks for coming into what I don't know what I'm coming into. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> yep. Well, that's like every day going into school, isn't it? Not quite. I have a little bit more trepidation here. Do you? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's, oh, it's so easy. It's easy. All right, so nothing yeah. scary about this in the end. You're a high school principal. I am. Yeah, where are you at? Oh. I'm at North Community High School in Minneapolis. Okay. And how long have you been there? I've been there just a few months. Oh, just a few oh, months. Oh, you are fresh. Fresh. Oh, but you were somewhere else then before this. I was. Administering as well? Yep, I've been in Minneapolis Public Schools my whole life, I like to say. I'm okay. 45. And really? I started kindergarten when I was four, so I don't really know anything different. <laughs> I suppose that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm getting this. Yeah. I've counted, um, I think, with the number of schools that I've been a student in, a teacher or an administrator in Minneapolis Public Schools. I th- I'm in the high teens. So I'm like somewhere around 17 or 18 okay. Minneapolis Public Schools wow. that I've either been a student in or taught in. Or what kind of teacher were you? In. I was a middle school teacher. 
Okay. Ooh. Middle school English. Like yes. what grade? Middle school, like sixth, seventh, eighth? Sixth, seventh, eighth. Loved it. Yeah? Absolutely loved it. Um, wouldn't have traded those years for anything. I've got a kid in seventh grade right now. You know, it's completely different parenting. Um, I He's was, kind of a pain in the butt. Yeah, so I was convinced <laughs> that um, because I, I worked so well with that grade level yeah. that I was going to parent really well with that yeah. grade level. Oh, too. Yeah. That was an assumption that I made um, that was inaccurate, okay. actually. <laughs> and um, my oldest daughter is uh, 24, and I'm very grateful that um, she survived and that she's still alive, as am I, after getting through the middle school years. And then um, our baby is uh eighth grader right now so Mm, we're almost on the other end of the middle school years from a parent perspective it's tough we took we've talked about that before in the podcast about middle school being especially i'm going to speak for women but it's a tough age because i think it's really hard and you're you're dealing with a lot of peer pressure and you're trying to figure yourself out and get acceptance too from your peer group the digital age has complicated it beyond my wildest imaginations Mm -hmm. um what all of the kids but especially the girls are dealing with as far as their identity who they are Uh um is exacerbated by Uh social media um and how quickly um other kids can weigh in Mm -hmm. um and even not for the betterment not for the betterment we were actually um my husband is sitting over here to my right he had to drive you in today because he had to snow. drive me in because there's snow we were talking about um we've only been married for two years okay and um i'm 45 and he's 57 and so uh <laughs> right on. you don't look yeah. 57 no oh not you know, 45 keep it, keep, it, keep it coming sarah um, his head's already big enough but, um, we are both uh really blessed i think there's something really special about finding love um, maybe later in life uh-huh. and so I was teasing him the other day I was asking him what he's adjusted to you know I said I've adjusted to loading the dishwasher differently mm. and I oh feel that's like a huge I, one uh-huh. that's married couples. huge uh-huh. and I it's feel like, like the, I should uh, have number one. I know I, I really <laughs> I'm waiting for the accolades for that because I think that's a really big deal it's coming. yeah you deserve um, it yeah. so you changed your method I changed my method because he of was too rigid about it. He, it had to be a certain way, he but I get it. He claimed that he did not <laughs> expect me to change my method mm-hmm. of dishwashing, it's loading, just like, um, but it was quietly there. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it was a subliminal right. expectation. Yeah, um, but one thing that <laughs> I have adjusted to is um, not having to drive in uh, Minnesota snow. Oh, oh because you. Driving, he drives. That's really that's, so. You used to that's drive. That's really great. Yeah, you, you, I was a single mom, so I raised my kids, yeah. and um, I was raised by a single mom, and and so, um, and my mom is from Minnesota. My dad is not, and so my mom is very comfortable and familiar with driving mm-hmm. through blizzards, and so I just that's all I knew that women did, and strong women just got behind the wheel, and you know, if you ended up in a ditch, then you know you tried to. Uh, acclimate and adapt yeah and right. i have really enjoyed getting in the passenger side of a vehicle wow and not worrying about driving you're still a strong woman even though you're on the I passenger know, side right like i'm even stronger <laughs> to be able to admit that right, <laughs> right? yes well you are yeah i mean that's a nice that's very nice because i mean driving in minnesota I is a driving. art in all 
yeah. all its own I love skills. It. How I did mean, you guys do on sorry, Jim? How did you guys do on Saturday with the ice? Did you just stay put? No, we actually were in Pequot Lakes, Minnesota. Um, my husband is the girls' basketball coach for North Community High School. Okay. Okay. He likes to tell people he was there before me. Okay. Yeah, because um, that's <laughs> was he? That's, he was. But okay. I'm learning that's really important for a man uh, to be able to say that he, for some reason, <laughs> he's was, laughing. Wait a by the now. way, let's not stereotype. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, but um, he uh, he went uh, to North High School last year. My okay. husband um, served in the Minneapolis Police Department for 30 years, ah, and oh. then, and that's how we met, actually. Uh, because I was a principal at Lucy Laney, and I think that's how Kate. That's probably how Kate. Oh, that's that's oh, yeah. that's right. Yes. Um, so he, we were you, in Pequot you, Lakes okay. for a girls basketball tournament, okay. Christmas tournament, uh-huh. and we were making the decision on whether we were going to drive back to the cities. That's or not. a tough one, right? Yeah, because it was snowing up there and it was drivable, but it was a skating rink down here. Yeah, it was horrible. Absolute. We didn't leave the house yesterday. Well, there was a no travel advisor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. they were basically coming out and saying, "Do not travel." Yeah, buses stopped. Yeah, and I was everything. looking at twenty teenage girls going we are going to travel <laughs> we are not going so to you stuck guys here at Pequot Lakes. <laughs> all right okay so you did it who was we driving we actually had a super great bus driver his name okay. was Jim Jim is 73 years old and he loves getting uh north assignments I think it's because he likes to sit and chit chat with my husband in the front seat of the bus sure. um but uh Jim did a great job and got us all home safe and sound mm-hmm. we passed a couple people in ditches but mm-hmm. he kept us on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. that is that's quite impressive. an accomplishment yeah so yesterday. that's where we were okay on, on saturday right yeah okay. so lucy laney that's where kate <coughs> knows because that's right i remember now sort of this story and, and you won some accolades for your work there is that right well i'm not sure that i won some acc- or accolades or the school did i would say um, the school started to change under my leadership. Okay. And that change started to generate a lot of attention. And, um, but it was definitely a united effort. You mean it was a group effort? You didn't do it all yourself? Absolutely. Not at all. <laughs> Far from it. Um, and it, it changed to the point where it, uh, there were a couple of um, local journalists for um, CARE 11 that, pitched a story a few years ago to their news director and then brought it to myself and our superintendent and they asked if they could be embedded in the school okay um and their original plan was if they could spend one to two days a week in the school um miking me up Mm -hmm. and um others kind of on an as needed basis and um capturing what was happening I think education is still a mystery to so many people. And um, they wanted to see, you know, what was happening here and could we crack the code. After months, and originally what they were doing is they were producing and um, airing these little mini episodes and they were calling them Lessons from Laney. And they were, um, I thought they were great. Mm-hmm. But what they ended up finding by about this time in the school year was that they had the hundreds of hours of footage and um, there was a story that was unfolding. And so uh, they kind of 
circled the wagons came back and said we think we have enough for a documentary mm-hmm. neither journalist had done a documentary before um but they started bringing some people in who could kind of look at what they had and uh they ended up producing a documentary and it's now um it's now won some significant awards in fact it has won the columbia dupont which is the pulitzer for broadcast journalism oh and i know i didn't wow. know this i know this these is things what now. happens when you don't do any research i know that's why when i oh walked God, in yes. i was like oh hi okay yeah. right and you guys what? were like hi you're at uh what's what? going on <laughs> yeah um, that's the way we roll. I love it, know. though. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, it's like you're a new neighbor it, and you came right, over right. and we're at the and kitchen table. I know. That's kind that's of what, what it is. We well, not we only have that. No, seriously. So I'm sitting here and I, it's like, it's like the SNL skit. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, every day is one? SNL over here. <laughs> like the... the Very um, much so. The Alec Baldwin. Yes. Right. The two women um, yes, from I, the 90s. I, oh. And I... Remember? Yeah, and I don't want to say it because I feel like my mom will be disappointed in me. <laughs> well, um, you can swear on this. Well, I don't... and But I don't... But they call it... It's the sweaty ball. Oh, episode, yeah. I know. Yep. Sweaty balls. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Sam said it. I said it for you. Yeah. Because yep. your voice, you're you're very you know calm. Chill. Like, you got a lot of chill. That's right? they. They're sort of it making works with students. I bet I it does. Young, yeah. yeah. yeah that show was sort to. of uh, making fun of the Canadian. Uh, was it? Yeah. What's the? It's. I love that show, but uh, Fresh Air. Yes. Right. Oh. With Terry Gross or right. whatever. In, yeah. In yes. the Canadian, and she just always had that voice. And it all works Canadian today. Stick, but it's it great. It's, it's really, knowing it's you've got perfect. your Bob well, McKenzie <laughs> out She has her plaid on. I'm thinking right. the listening it's audience the Bob has no McKenzie. idea. You might know. not know that. but And guess what? I went to a hockey game last night. Uh, she's so it's like, all Canadian. Uh, yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, well, you're just all sporty yeah, and Minnesota. No, and <laughs> can, I, can I tell you guys, uh, being, being Minnesotan and Wisconsinite, um, she's a Wisconsinite. But we're uh, what? Yeah, I, know. I no longer want to do this show anymore. I know. I, know. <laughs> I shouldn't have told I've you. Changed my mind. Are I you mad about the you. football game? Mad. Mad doesn't even begin to describe. <laughs> the, the only thing worse is if she lived in St. Paul now. <laughs> oh. But what I was going to say is there isn't Whoa. as much difference between us and Canadians as we maybe think. Like well, there the are fact neighbors. that we, I know there are really close neighbors. Hmm. Not all of them. You Some know of them what are I look like today. Some Not to make this about me, but I feel like um, I lived in New York for a long time, and it's like all the hipsters in Brooklyn started mm-hmm. dressing like they lived in Northern Wisconsin. Yeah, I know. You know? I noticed I'm like, that. Well, that's I grew up with that. It's nice to be trendy every once in a while. I guess you're working it today. Am I? And I just yeah, think the are. listening audience you're, you're, you're has look, no idea. Right? We're oh, take she's a much picture. more trendy than this usually. This is oh. This is just sort of like Sarah got up and threw on whatever she could find. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not. Never mind. Right. I'm not saying a word. Okay. Anyways. Okay. Um, so we're getting to know you. So you work. Uh, so, uh, so, this, so the documentary yeah, is about the, the school. What's the name of the documentary? It's called Love Them First. Love Them, Love first. them first. Okay. Oh. And the reason behind that name? I, I, um, I wasn't a fan of the name, actually. And I mentioned it to... So, the journalists are Ben Garvin and Lindsay Siebert. Um, Lindsay was much more in front of the camera at CARE, and Ben was much more behind the camera. Um, Both of them have great 
careers in uh, journalism. Ben was in print journalism for a while. Photography is um, kind of his area of expertise. Lindsay's always been in broadcast journalism. Both of them, um, you know, married with children. Both of them have children in Minneapolis public schools. And then both of them ended up covering different stories at Lucy Laney. Mm. And uh, when they covered the stories were just kind of struck with what they experienced when they walked into the building. And and what I ascertain from what struck them is a few things. And I don't know that they've ever come out and said this. So if if they listen and they disagree, then um, chuck okay. it to my to my you know, head and not my heart, but <laughs> they, uh, I think what struck them is, um, I think that there is a, almost a subconscious expectation when you walk into a public school in North Minneapolis that um, you expect to encounter uh, some sort of depressive state. Mm. or frame or atmosphere like from the children or from the from staff, everybody from everybody the whole the whole works <clears throat> yeah i think we're very socially primed to expect something um very negative not positive because it's a public because it's, because a it's public north public minneapolis public specifically the, it, it because a public school in maybe a, a, a more Im- impoverished pocket of our community um, and and that's not what you encounter when you walk in. Sure. And so I think it kind of surprises people. And then especially parents, white parents like Ben and Lindsay, who walk into their more white schools on a regular basis with their children. Not only when they walked into Lucy Laney did they encounter an atmosphere of joy, but they also encountered an atmosphere of more joy than their children were experiencing, mm-hmm. yeah. which I think flips that socially primed script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it it caused them to want to spend more time there and see if they could figure out why that was. So they were. So they they kind of came up with the love them first thing, is what you're they thinking. did. And when they brought it to me, when they said that 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 they were going to name it love them first, I was like, "Ew, I don't like that." <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just, I have a sensitivity to um, this kind of, like, bleeding heart. Saccharine, S- like a very... Yeah, yeah, like a savior mentality, mm. like, oh. And I, 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 I noted, noticed it when I was a young teacher, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I remember being a young teacher and looking at some of my teaching colleagues in in classrooms around me, and especially kind of like these young you know, white women that had watched Freedom Writers and they were going to, you know, come in and they were just going to save the black mm. children. And 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 the kids would, you know, write their name at the top of their paper and they would be like, oh, you did a great job writing your name. I love it. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, what are you <laughs> like doing? Like we can expect That's a little not... more than Absolutely. just that. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so when they first told me that that was going to be the name of the film, and I was very hands-off, they gave me a lot of um, opportunity to influence, and I felt really strongly going into it that that was not my role. 
Um, it wasn't comfortable, I think, for me or the staff um, or even the parents or the students sometimes to be under the camera lens like that. Very unprecedented. I've heard from a lot of people nationally that no one has just ever seen that before, especially a public school where you just open your doors and you allow the cameras and the microphones to pick up whatever they're going to pick up. Um, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't feel comfortable about that being the the message, and so it was one of one of the few times when I kind of put my hands in it and said, "Well, you know, why that? Why that title?" And they said, "Mari, you say that. Like we have you on camera saying that." And I was like, "Shoot, well, all right, <laughs> <laughs> there you go." I guess if you said it, right? I, right. How and did more you say than it? Once. Like, right. how do you yeah, say it? Like, so, context? so the context was. Um, <laughs> Well, let me go back and say why more why I didn't like the mm-hmm. the title, and then I'll give you the context. So, um, I feel really strongly that there's, you know, there's different types of love, and the kind of love that I think I was referring to when I used it in context was um, almost like a a real love, a hard love, a tough love, like. I love you enough to fight for you. I love you enough to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. I love you enough to have high standards for you. Mm -hmm. I love you enough to make, you know, my life complicated and in order to create a better outcome for your life. I love you enough for sacrifice because I think that um, love is sacrificial and when you do love someone, you sacrifice for them. And you sacrifice for them not because you'll be better for it, but because they'll be better for it. Mm-hmm. And so when I was using it in context, that's the context that I was using it in, that if we as a society or if we as educators, if we as public educators, and this is for all children, because the way that we do school is not developmentally appropriate at all. It's not compassionate to children. Um, it's It's been proven multiple times that it fits one type of kid and one type of learning style and can um, really do a lot of damage, lifelong damage. We, we talk about our upbringings and yeah. and not necessarily fitting into the schools we were at. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's rote learning or or just kind of the the traditional model that always was like i know i couldn't wait to get out of school in so many ways and i know he felt that way too i don't know yeah definitely so i've got step kids that are that are at southwest um they just graduated actually so um and you know and then i went to cooper which isn't far yeah um but you know it's interesting how how i feel like some kids just are so under the radar right you know what i mean and then other kids are you know, I know some kids that are probably struggling quite a bit right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, once you get in that mode, it's hard to it's hard to navigate. You know, it is hard to navigate, and I would argue that um, as a society and as a culture, we have um, we have patience more patience for some than for others. Yep, um, I do think it's a. A, a different level of expectation um, for kids of color. Mm-hmm. I, I, of course you know, it is, yeah. Minnesota um, has pride, prided itself for generations on having high academic standards. 
and um, high academic expectations. And yet what we've known over the last five to 10 years is that Minnesota also has one of the largest, if not the largest achievement gaps in the United mm -hmm. States of America mm -hmm. between white and black children in particular. And yet everyone stops right there. They just put the period there and then they stop and they don't go any further. And uh, it is that is an exhausting reality for those of us in education, for those of us that um, are people of color, for those of us that are raising children of color, um, to just stop there and Do you be feel done. like that's changing at all, though? No. no. You don't feel like it's changing? I, no. The only reason I, I ask is because, the you know, we do this show and some of the things that I've seen, I don't know that, I don't know how quickly it can actually change because the like the mechanisms of change are so slow in, mm -hmm. in so many ways sometimes, but like uh, Chris Coleman was on and Chris Coleman was talking about the racial inequity in housing after world war two right. and, and how Minnesota glossed over that for so long. And we've been doing a little work with the Shakopee Metawakanton. There's these things that I feel like though the, the change isn't here yet, the change that I see is in the fact that it's being have it's a, conversation. a lot more conversations Hopefully. and a lot a lot more present conversations and a lot more uh, conversations amongst people who of from differing backgrounds where it actually comes out into the light then, which to me is it's shitty that you have to wait so long for everything to change, but that's like at least at least it's not just wow that's that happens like it's let's get what can we do to yeah, start I'm, working on it I'm, i think it's an uncomfortableness wouldn't you like people don't so, want to address it well so i'll go back to what so your question is it changing um and i and and i said no but what i will say is um i'll change that to yes and no Sure. That? Yeah. Fair. So, fair. So, so <laughs> to your point, um, and this is one thing that I strive to do with the educators that I work with, because I think it's very freeing to think of things in a historical context. Um, and I think what you're getting to, Sam, is a historical context. Yeah. And if you think about um, just who we are from from a historical perspective as the United States of America. It's actually amazing that our Native and African-American communities are still alive, first of yeah. all, um, with the number of strategic and purposeful attempts at annihilation, right? Yeah, like, the, absolutely. the bottom line is... Oppression, now, annihilation, it, destruction, And in some ways, you, you know, of. some might argue barely alive, okay? Yeah. Um, because of the level of ongoing complications, but... Um, but what fighters, right, to still be here. Now, if you look at that through a lens of education, the way that we do getting back to kind of this, I call it like the square peg in the round hole, right? Mm -hmm. um, education was, was never intended for everybody. Not at the, the same ever, level. Ever. No. And I think it's so silly because sometimes we, you know, beat ourselves up for, um, not being able to see everyone, uh, you know, uh, produce at the same level, but it, it was never intended to be that way. 
the one room schoolhouse was never for everybody ever right Mm -hmm. it was for the selected few and um you know if you were a farmer's child you weren't included in that mix if you were the son of a blacksmith you weren't included in that mix you might go for a few years and then you moved into an apprenticeship with your father and so it and and that's removing race from the it, because e- mm-hmm. equation altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's there's as much <clears throat> oppression the socioeconomic divide is as much oppressing at times as as other things. You Absolutely. Know, and that's that's been you know you're going to make me cry about this, right? Because it's not it's it's the wasted talent. It's mm-hmm. not the it's not Okay, so you give everybody the opportunity, right? But like, what have we missed out on in our society? What have what have what has the world missed out on by us choosing to see things through the wrong lens like that? Like, like there should be a divide because you're black, you're native, you're you're a farm poor, kid, you're yeah. a blacksmith, you're poor, you're you know. No, the, we should be educating all of the kids, and not everyone's going to achieve the same. That's fine. Not everyone's going to do exactly all the same stuff, mm-hmm. but. But given the opportunity, there's going to be, you know, there's just a, there's a lot of missed opportunity that's happening. Well, not only what have we missed out on, what have we silenced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, what have, what have we, what have we killed? Mm-hmm. What have yeah. we tortured? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, so when you add on top of that, so take that and then add race, and you look at um, the African and the Native American communities experiences with education as we know it they are the two most violent experiences with education Mm -hmm. so if you study you know what is the history of american public education with native americans what 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 comes up if you google that what comes up uh the history of native american education native americans in american education the orphanage or the um, the boarding schools, yeah, the, boarding the forced schools. The forced, forced separation, forced from separ- families. So forced separation, mm-hmm. yeah. Residential. What else? Strict. Uh, Strict. They made well. I know authoritarian. they changed their uh, their um, appearance. Appearance, yes. Yeah, took cultural, their clothes. Yeah. Cultural yeah. decimation. Shaved, shaved their heads. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And then, and then, what about with with African Americans? What during during slavery? What was was it? there any education? No. In I fact, mean, in fact, you could right. you could die for knowing how to for read. knowing how to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, we read these headlines that talk about how Native and African American children are not succeeding mm-hmm. to the level. Mm-hmm. That they should be success. Are you kidding me? We have the most deeply violent, rooted history with American education, and we expect to be able to flip a switch. All of a sudden, we're going to flip a coin, and now all of a sudden, these children and their parents and their grandparents and this generational ancestral history of complete violence and torture mm-hmm. is going to completely dissipate, and they're going to come out and coming to school and say yes i can everything's gonna be great that's absolutely ridiculous so so i'm we're we're getting close to i just have a couple of quick questions because i'm kind of a shit about this stuff right i'll admit it um when you said you know what have we missed by by brutalizing and i know you're right about that um i also wonder 
because because mine is a my history is uh, my grandmother was a, an Irish immigrant and an orphan in New York and you know took a train to Minnesota and I, there's privilege all over that and there's also horror all over it everything's you know it's kind of both um, I wonder sometimes like if there isn't a little mix of of both inspiration and oppression sometimes mm-hmm. too I wonder how many people have been inspired by because they are it they are capable and they are human and they're mm-hmm. all, they, they don't they don't just because you're told that you don't possess the intellect to to hang with the other group or something doesn't mean that you actually don't and mm-hmm. there's been some inspiring things that have happened too which certainly do not outweigh the mm-hmm. uh, the tragedies but I, I just think that it's worth it's worth thinking well, about there's always it's hope and you know. Yeah, because it it to comes to what extent fr- though? I mean, to 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 what extent? So, it, it, somebody mentioned to me one time. So I would argue that that it, if you watch the documentary, that's what a little bit about what you'll experience is. Um, there is a there is a sense of hope and there is a sense of optimism. But one thing that was very important to me in leading leading my staff and I was talking to my husband about this other day because I'm at a new building now and so I mm-hmm. need to start you know start in some ways start start over again but one thing that was very important to me is that um who believes what and 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 are people who are in positions of education being the educators being the adults in the building do they deeply and firmly believe that so when they look out at a classroom full of faces staring back at them and those faces are brown-eyed and brown-skinned, do they deeply within their soul believe that those children can meet and exceed any expectations? And if they don't deeply believe that in their soul, they need to move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said it. And I, it. another thing that I get caught with, and it, it probably isn't the best thing to say because my children could be listening, right? But I've got three of my own children, and I worked with kids for almost 20 years. And when you start talking about loving them, but loving them enough to expect good things of them and to, and to put yourself out there for them and all the ways that you can love someone, I've, I've told people this, and I, I maybe even have mentioned it to my kids, but, but I loved the thousand kids that came through the camp that I worked for. I love them. I can't really differentiate between one and another. Right. Like, and, and I even have a hard time saying that, that my love for any one of those kids is all that much different than the love for my own kids. Now, right. granted, my kids are my kids. That's you right. know, I, and there's a, but I'd, I don't know, I'd put myself out for, for really any of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, they, and they need it. You know, they deserve it. They so. also sense it and they feel it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that I learned uh, really early on, especially about kids that had grown up in some sort of trauma and experienced some sort of trauma. Do you remember those pixels when you can look at a picture and you can figure oh, out yeah. and you mm-hmm. can make the picture out? Oh, yeah. yeah. You kind yeah. of squint. Kind of, you got to squint and then you go, yep. oh, it's a horse or right. oh, it's yep. a mm-hmm. um, children that have experienced any type of trauma in their lives. Um, they can pick it out like that. Oh, they can see through that fuzz? Immediately. They can pick it out like that. That's funny. And why is that? It's because they have had to learn how to do that. 
they have to pick up instincts right away. Mm-hmm. They have to they have to pick up demeanor right away. They have to be able to walk into a situation and sense, do mm-hmm. I need my guard up? Mm-hmm. Can I put my guard down? Right. What is what is my expectation right now? Mm-hmm. And right. so when they can sense in you mm-hmm. like I, I I I actually I love you and I'm going to fight with you and for you like you're my own. Mm-hmm. That changes, mm-hmm. yeah. Because now they're willing to do something for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Up until that point, they might just sit back, let you do all the work. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, Bye. yeah. Hi. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're gonna just take a quick break, and we're gonna come back. This has been very fascinating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It has been. <laughs> Let's we'll be right back. We'll come back. <laughs> yeah. Today's show is brought to you by the Andalin app, a first-of-its-kind digital legacy preservation app that allows you to digitally attach photos, videos, and audio recordings to the places and objects you love. Imagine hearing your grandmother's voice telling the stories of your family heirlooms. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin, available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what is not? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeler, servicing residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consultation. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. His strong connections in the Minnesota art world give him a unique perspective on the talented pool of artists from our region. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit JamesHolmberg.com to find out more. All right. Do you want to go on a wilderness adventure with me, Sam? Or maybe you know a group of kids who could benefit from an extended break from their electronics. Or maybe you just need a break from those kids. Visit earthedfound.org for more information about how to get started. For information about becoming a sponsor of Legacy Matters, please visit LegacyMattersPodcast.com. We joke because Sam's the only one that knows how to operate all of this. Yeah, they can't do it without so, me. And it's it's like I mean, all I do is I push a button. Yeah. Well, I, well. I, I, frankly, I don't want to learn. I am right there with you. You know, I mean, ignorance is bliss. It's, and I am living proof of that. I love being I like, mean, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. Jim. Yeah. No, I yeah. say that a lot. Jim, yeah. Yeah. I help you out with some stuff. You. Sarah's the brain, so everyone's everyone's good at something. Everyone, but then he's the look at this. This is all of his. Yeah, well, from your brain. So uh, we're back with our second half here. I'm gonna just say that she's still here. She has not left. (laughs) So as we left it, you know, we always have the conversations during the break, which Mm -hmm. I love. Um, But how do you solve some of this? Mm -hmm. How do you? How do you? Oh my god! Are you really gonna? Are we yeah. going to really throw that on her? A, a little bit, you know, I'm I, because I'm wondering, like, how do you, 
it seems so big. And it's a big question, of yeah. course. I'm not expecting like you to have some great answer <laughs> mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. to solve the problem. Maybe she's I don't got know. It, but but you know, I do. Uh the experience I have with the kids in my life, you know, um during the break, I would say, Yeah, you know, when we're sitting at dinner and we talk about school every every time, you know, every night. Mm-hmm. And um for sure there's like, yeah, this guy or this teacher, you know, like they know, mm-hmm. you know, they're like then do I feel bad for the teacher? Like, mm-hmm. are they, you know, because I think if they were no. sitting there, they they would be like, well, we're, we're trying, we're <laughs> right. doing our best, yeah. you know. Um, I think it's absolutely solvable. Yeah. I, I absolutely think there it's solvable. There we go. Um, I, I wonder about our will mm-hmm. to solve it as a yep. society. Yep. Um, I think the discussions help the will. I think that's what I'm, what I'm could, picking up on. They could, but for whom? I guess is my question. So what I've learned over the last couple of years since this documentary um, yeah. has kind of taken off is um, I've learned that it has it has helped open open people's eyes. But what I wonder about is whose eyes and is it people whose eyes were already openable? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, yeah, I, I mean, who who do you think's eyes aren't being open? Well, so when I say I wonder about the will, you know, the will that we have. Um, the reason why I wonder about that is because some of our kids are doing just fine. In fact, they're doing really well. So even if we get back to this idea of Minnesota leading the country with the uh, largest achievement gap, um, when you peel back the data from the achievement gap in Minnesota, it's not necessarily that our kids of color are doing that much worse than kids of color in other states. It's that our white kids outperform white kids in other states. I've heard that before. Hmm. I, I've heard that from, in fact, I think it was LaShawn Ray that said mm-hmm. exactly that same thing. He probably got it from me. He probably got it from you. I love it. <laughs> you, heard it you heard it here first, Mr. Ray. Um, and, and that's not, that, that doesn't just sit with education. You know, when you look at racial disparities, Minnesota leads the country in so many racial disparities, um, economics and employment and health care. And um, again, when you peel back those layers, the City Pages just did another long expose about this. Again, it is that it really, it's great to be white in Minnesota. It really is. And so... My question about the will is: Isn't it great to be white anywhere, everywhere it, in America? It, it, I mean, it, so that's that's been so, my experience. Oh, okay, so so then let's sit with that for a second. Yeah. So so that's why, for example, the term "white privilege." I don't I don't use that term. Yeah. And the reason why I don't use that term is because, um, okay, so I'll get tell you a little bit more about myself. So sure. my mom is from a small town. She grew up on a farm in northern Minnesota. Where? Um, Gully. G-U-L-L-Y, population 89, Okay, um, about 45 miles northwest of Bemidji. Okay, I, I lived a lot of my life in Bemidji. Okay, so. yep, so up that, Gully, up that direction, um, like you get on area? Highway 292 and yeah. uh, go towards um, Bagley, Faustin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yep, yep. Uh, you could blink and miss that Gully, is, yep. That is, That's, that is remote. That is remote. I mean, desolate, remote. And and I would argue very much helped shape who I am. Sure. Very much helped shape who I am. Yep. Um, That is Trump country. 
Oh yeah. And um, question. And that is, you know, I joke uh, with my uncle. So my mom was very young when she had me, uh, and she came to the University of Minnesota, met my father. Uh, my mom was white. My father is African American from Irvington, New Jersey, which is a little dirty suburb of New York City. You land in LaGuardia and get on the road, and you're there in the blink of an eye. My father very much, uh, you know, happy and proud to be black, and um, and 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 then and then there was then there was me. Then there was three, right? And so when I say that the farm in Northwest Minnesota helped shape me. I, I read an article one time shortly after Barack Obama had been elected president. And what what the the author did was she tried to peel apart, why are there so many biracial mixed black people that have kind of circumvented these glass ceilings? And she argued that there is something about being a person of color that was intimately loved by white people and understands the humanity of white people. And that if you are um, a person of color in America, uh, the, the white man or the white woman is, is really distant and it's an enigma in some ways. Um, and yet... If you were, if you came from one, and you were helped raised by some, you see the humanity of them. Mm. They're humans. They're no different, mm. and you're no different. And it gives you a fearlessness. Like I'm not afraid of you. But you're, you, so you're talking about the article. Though, I'm right? talking about the article, and I'm talking about how I think it shaped me mm. growing up mm. around my uncles who loved me to death, mm-hmm. to death, but who. Um, are all Trump 2020 and who have enough NRA bumper stickers um, to cover the whole windshield. And if there is an Armageddon, by the way, that's where you'll find me. Right. Because uh, we will definitely be well armed. Um, <laughs> so but Trump, Trumpville up there, though, that's also public radio land in a lot of ways. Which and, is funny because, because they get like... I lived a lot of my life up in Bemidji. In fact, I went to school. Well, not school. My parents lived there when I was, you know, four, five, six. So we probably knew each other. When we, probably. Because I'm 44. I spent so. a lot of summers on my grandparents' farm. <laughs> yeah, we um, probably ran into each absolutely. other. Absolutely. I funny. watched my grandmother make yogurt. Um, we ate the food that was that was grown on the farm. and. But public radio is like, like you know, widely... Widely considered left-leaning, though it seems to be conservatively run right now, which is fine. I, right. I'm, I'm not getting into the right. the back-and-forth politics part of it. I think what public radio, it's funny to me that that uh, in in what we know to be Trump country, right, and, and especially with Trump's sort of assault on facts and information, mm-hmm. that um, generally speaking, the people are getting their information in those rural areas from public radio because it's mm. the one thing that comes through and it's the mm-hmm. one source you can actually trust to give right. you good, solid information. Right. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's sort of counter... Intuitive. Intuitive. Yeah, well, if you let my uncles tell it, you can't trust any information yeah, right. that comes through. From right, right. Yet they, that's the way it Yet goes. they're full of yeah. knowledge. Like, they're mm-hmm. not all... Not everybody living out in rural Minnesota is an idiot either. Mm-hmm. They've, they're full of information. Mm-hmm. They're absorbing it from... A lot of times, public 
mm-hmm. public radio, um, and yet they'll tell you that you can't trust anything. Well, they're passionate. Yeah. They're passionate. They're they committed. Are. They're loyal. Yeah. I think what I mean by the will, though, is that um, do we have the will to lose some of our clout as an identity of of white people in Minnesota, especially when it comes to academics and the achievement gap. You know, if you study, if if you're bored one night, study the stereotype threat that came out of Stanford and how um, how much we are psychologically primed by um, by the subconscious and conscious stereotypes that we live under. Mm-hmm. And um, what we've learned from that is that it works both ways, both negatively and positively. And every time we are presented with how well um, white children are doing academically in the state of Minnesota, what stereotype threat would say is that we are reinforcing um, that superiority and, uh, and that space at the top. And what it would question is, is the, the people whose eyes are openable, yes, their eyes may be opened, by data, by research, by stories like the documentary about my school. But um, are they really willing? Would they really be willing? So, so, so here's a technical change that could easily happen. Um, the achievement gap is measured on a standardized test, one standardized test that's given by the state of Minnesota one time per year. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So, and we know that standardized tests, and they've been proven for for decades to be culturally and linguistically biased. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of data and information out there that can show you how to unbias those tests. You could do things like um, you could filter the questions um, in a way that uh, uh, picks out um, cultural and linguistic bias. You could offer more than one answer, more than one appropriate answer. <laughs> right. right? There's like so many things, and yet right. I really question whether we have the will to do that we could do it the university of georgia has an amazing woman by the name of dr julie washington who has proven that you can do it you can take a standardized test we're not even we're not even going to go so far as to say not to test the kids oh because we could never say that in minnesota right right what if we unbiased the test and we looked at some experts like dr washington who have figured out how to do that we don't do that but you're but you're 45 years old is what you said, right? Uh, oh shit! I'm not supposed to say ages hey. in here. That was before. That was off cam or off the mic. Sorry. Sorry. I, we'll get rid of that. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you should be. I am. Believe me. <laughs> no, I think you did say it on the show. I did. Yeah. 45 yeah, years. Yeah, I've been did. in Thank you. Schools. Yep, that's right. Okay, so, uh, so when when we were kids, and we talk about this from time to time, when we were kids, if you were if you were in high school and someone accused someone of being gay, that was like that was a an extreme weapon used against people, right? Mm-hmm. My my twelve year old is like, oh no, this that that friend of mine's gay. Right. She she's trans. There's you know this yeah. person's doing that. like. Yet our country and these these tests and the way <laughs> the the parts of it. Where where there's a higher up administrative effort to make things happen, mm-hmm. that are being run by it's an old the old by the eighty year olds, yeah. yeah, the seventy year olds and the eighty year olds are the ones still voting on that shit. Like, yeah. don't yeah. you think it will it's get our, better? It as, needs to be our generation. That, yes, that and then it needs to be their generation, generation. And then their generation behind but, us, right? But I think we'll do I better. Mean, could you see that happening? I do. I I mean I oh. I really think that 
Yeah, I, I we can will see do that better. Happening. I can really? see it with the kids. I mean, that I'm around a lot. Uh, you know, they are they are so different than my generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that they're just they're so accepting and sort of fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and this I, whole I, I this just, whole like boomer thing, like get out of the way, boomer. Mm-hmm. Like that's for real. I, and I'm not. I love you, boomers. It's all great. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But. Uh, they haven't even like we're not going to see the there's going to be more boomers coming 20 2026 through mm-hmm. 2042 or whatever their age group goes into retirement mm-hmm. they're not even there yet not fully there uh there's going to be more of them in retirement than there are kids or whatever being growing up so we've got I, my stats are always off. I don't give actual factual no, information know. here. We, 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 disclaimer. Disclaimer. There's not usual <laughs> facts behind it all. No, but there is this massive wave of people that were born. They are still running the show. Mm. And that, to me... They're a dying breed. I think they're dying. Right. Do I, you guys think so, though? I do. I, I think you can... See. I'm optimistic of it. I really am. I mean, I, I really do think Have you that. been to some of these suburban and outstate high schools? Yes. yes, and I think we yes. need to... I mean, and when Roosevelt went down to... Where was it that Roosevelt went to go play basketball last season? And they hung the Make America Great Again. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just... I'm not sure that we can base... I want to be hopeful. Yeah. But I'm just... I'm not yeah. sure that we can base what our experiences are with our kids right. in Minneapolis mm-hmm. public schools. And you're right. Mm-hmm. And and this is sort of, yep. Yep. you're right, because I'm sort of in the bubble yeah. of my own yeah. experience. Yeah. You know, so I see that and I'm like, wow. Yeah, but, but you are but I right. I lived in Bemidji when I was a kid too. And let me tell you, Bemidji was not going to change. It sure seemed like it was never going to change. And it is. And it's changing. Changing. It yeah. is. And, and you know what? Uh, so is Halleck. So is uh, yes. Yep. So I mean, so uh, there are a lot of small communities. Little Falls. You go to Little Falls. That was a ghost town, and and the whitest of white places you could ever imagine. The thing is that, like, I I went to school in St. Cloud, and they called it White Cloud for a reason, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not to just talk about the racial politics of it all, but it's is a good it indicator. It's a good it indicator. It is changing. Mm-hmm. It is. And does that mean you're not going to run into pockets where it feels like, like you're still seeing the same thing that that you didn't want to see 20 right. years before, 40 years before, 60 years before? Like, right. yes, but you know, marriage equality actually mm-hmm. happened they're not, mm-hmm. we're not taking that back mm-hmm. you know people are talking about about native american and and black american rights and how mm-hmm. to really make a difference and change things it's just not easy it's gonna no, take a while. I, I i agree and i also think when was you know when was when was the brown versus board of education and 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 when when did we still have Jim Crow? And it really is it's not that long ago. No, it's no, not. No, not at all. Not when not when it, a lot it, of the people fighting on the other side. And you gotta you gotta figure there were a lot of you know, there there were a lot of people fighting either side, right? Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't just a single culture or a single race or whatever mm-hmm. that was going race. We're all human, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those changes we're still fighting over some of that mm-hmm. stuff. But it's incrementally progressing. Mm-hmm. It just sucks slow, to watch it. Slow. God, it sucks mm-hmm. to watch it. Yeah, I don't know. I, and not to say that we, you know, shouldn't be somewhat outraged. Other than, but, but I, I do think that there's 
our future, if we're watching right now, what we're seeing is the, the frankly, horseshit byproduct of further separation, of saying these people aren't like mm-hmm. me. They do this this way. I do this this way. Like, we're, well, we're, we've kind of uncovered, I call it the great cleansing in a way, like we're being forced to look at our sins of the past now and the ugly stuff is coming out. Mm. Yes. I, and, and people are a, looking at it. They, I, I think they are. I, I do too. You know, and it's uncomfortable and that's why I think a lot of these discussions don't take place because people are right. well, afraid of... We would be afraid of offending things. people, right? I mean, I, I've gone to my, I've gone to my local political stuff, mm-hmm. and despite being one of the younger people there, and this was a few years ago, even, uh, and I'm, I was the owner of a construction company, so mm-hmm. I should be, by you know, by mm-hmm. trade, I should be conservative, mm-hmm. and and I would have to, I would have to tell the old people, uh, like. Listen, you you can't just talk through me all the time if you're mm-hmm. good, like, and you can't just say that you're angry at at the other side the whole time. I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to s- sit here and put up with that. You're mm-hmm. talking about my cousins and my mm-hmm. uncles and people I love, and yeah, their their views are different. But I'm not going to listen to yeah, it. Anger doesn't solve. Any and then problem. I've been shouted down for being like for being a white middle-aged man you don't deserve to talk anymore you should shut up and i'm like but i'm on your side and i'm really trying my best to be a good person absolutely i feel really um strongly that there requires conversation requires Mm -hmm. grappling you know if you if you look at indigenous populations if you look at ancient civilization if you go to different parts of the world you'll see people who are very comfortable grappling with things Mm -hmm. you'll see people who are very comfortable wrestling with things Mm -hmm. um they'll sit and talk in coffee shops you'll see the old men in, in in coffee shops with the young men and they are arguing away, and they are still brothers and uncles and nephews mm-hmm. afterwards, and there is no love lost mm-hmm. whatsoever. I think that it is a very Eurocentric um, characteristic trait that uh, says that we are uncomfortable mm-hmm. with wrestling and grappling. It goes back to what you said before. It's, it's, I love you enough as a right. human mm-hmm. to argue with you Absolutely. and still love you afterward, Absolutely. even though I don't agree with you. Absolutely. And it makes for a stronger, more united uh, community and culture when you can argue with each other and then still be good afterwards and still love each other afterwards. I would also add that I do think people of color in particular are much more comfortable with arguing, just period much more comfortable with arguing, much more comfortable with conflict, much more comfortable with tension. And um, white people in particular uh, really back away from that. And so now you have a lopsided table. Right. Yeah, which that's never good. No. No. And especially in Minnesota, it's the passive aggressive. Mm. Right. Just nature. What are you talking about? We don't do that. Love to talk and love (laughs) to argue and love to put, you know, and it's a good thing. It's interesting. You know, oh, the boys. I mean, iron yeah. sharpens iron, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing, when you sat down, I, I want to bring this into mm-hmm. one other thing that you brought up, and that was the digital world. Mm-hmm. Um, so last night I was with the boys, a group of young men, and we went to the British Aero Awards over at um, the Walker, and that is the number one commercials that happened over there mm. um, overseas. The British commercials, yeah. British commercials. Mm. And some of the commercials are public service commercials, mm-hmm. too. And one thing that was 
pretty heavy this year was um, sort of like self-awareness and bullying, especially mm. with women. Mm. And, you know, the commercials were quite moving and, and really heavy. And mm. it showed examples of young girls, young women, mm-hmm. high school, middle school, in that sort of digital world where they're bullied and body mm-hmm. issues and... Um, you know, sitting there with my the kids, the young guys. I mean, we discussed that quite a bit at dinner afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what commercials? Was their take? They just thought they thought it was very, very relative. They were like, "Yeah, they're like this happens all the time," and it does. and you know, they're very aware of their peers, their you know female peers, yes. and the difficulty that they face. Yes, you know, in the in the struggle with. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this device. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there something, when you sat down, you kind of mm-hmm. said that you had never expected the digital world to have such an influence. I didn't. We were actually watching a few minutes of This is the 80s uh, last mm-hmm. night. Which I and love. <laughs> it, I know. And they were reminding us what the original cell phones used to look like. You know, a big mm-hmm. brick. Oh, a big God, brick yeah. that you Courtney held up Gecko, to your... Yeah. 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 Um, but arguing that there has been no invention in in the human age that has changed humanity like the cell phone has um not in a shorter period of time no and so it it is it is painful um to watch what i would argue is that um and over over the years of working (laughs) i'm optimistic i know sam has (laughs) to be optimistic um so i so one thing that i've noticed and that i've just this is just through my own personal experiences, family experiences, and then obviously as an educator is mental health and physical health really aren't that different from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. like um, just like physically, you know, mentally you can uh, do really well and be great and you're exercising and you're eating well and, um, and you're strong. And then there's times where maybe you're not taking care of yourself. Um, times when maybe you have a cold you know and you're just a little under the weather and maybe there's times when you really have something serious and you need to you you need to be um attended to um and so i I think in some ways um we don't really know how to talk about that when you don't feel well mentally like we're really comfortable being like oh yeah i'm fighting the flu you know physically or um but We're when clearly horseshit at that in America, yeah, to be when honest. You're in a, <laughs> when you're in a an, in a dark place, yeah. mentally we we don't really know how to There's let a it be known. Still yeah, to and how to yeah. be like, you know what? That's okay. Like yeah. you'll ride this out. You'll be okay. Like we have this immediate reaction. Like, oh my gosh, we need to fix you right away. Like mm-hmm. you know, if you have a cold, you just need to drink a lot of fluids, and it's, yeah. you got to ride it out for a few days. And 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 yet we don't really know how to do that emotionally or or mentally either just give people an opportunity to think about how they can ride that out as well and so with kids that really emerges Mm -hmm. because we panic we freak out and so then they don't really know how to process Mm -hmm. or talk through some of their issues Mm -hmm. um you know we don't one thing that i've learned especially working with adolescents is we don't really know the difference between like i don't want to live and i want to die and those are two very different places to be in and so you know, the I don't want to live this life turns into, oh my God, my child is suicidal. And then, you know, then people, just, then they really panic. And now you've just 
exacerbated the situation, right? So one thing, especially with the digital age, though, that has kind of taken me aback and so many of my my fellow parents and colleagues is, especially with girls um, and their identities mm-hmm. and how hypersexualized the digital mm-hmm. um, age is and the their questions around who are they and um boys boys like girls who kiss girls so should i be a girl who kisses kisses girls like i don't know and if i kiss a girl will will more will i have more likes and wait a minute that felt good to kiss a girl am i gay like their their minds are dealing with these big thoughts and these big emotions and these big clashes of identity and we are not prepared because so many of us have not gone through this digital age Mm -hmm. we are not prepared to walk them through this journey is what is at least the way i'm feeling both as an educator of adolescence and as a parent of one Mm -hmm. i mean that's a nice way to put it very well i mean how do you walk through someone that (laughs) that you haven't walked through i'm optimistic yeah. I'm still optimistic well, because here's what I think happened. I, I, but honestly, I think what happened, just like with any new technology, and cell phones have, without question, changed our lives in more ways than than any single invention. Yes, so far. It, but but a lot of it is that they're an amalgamation of a bunch of different inventions that we actually already have had for a long time. It's just it's a camera. It's a really good camera. Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, computer which we've had for a while we've had the internet for a while it's a video camera it's you know audio recorder people used to take tape decks around and record each other talking um it's just that it's also instantaneous and it's all put together in one package Mm. but i think because honestly the modern cell phone as we know it has has really only been as powerful as it is in kind of what we know today in the last five to seven years and I think throughout that period of time, we, we didn't do a lot of thoughtful development of the tools that the phone actually no, provides to people. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we left, we left that development in the hands of the first adopters, the first generation of people who understood it, many of them growing up primarily in the analog or in the digital world, excuse me, mm-hmm. not as much in the analog world. So if we had had, if, if your mother or mm-hmm. you and I or our friends, if we were the ones developing tools to be used on the cell phone f- by our children, mm-hmm. do you think we might not have developed something for them that didn't that didn't do some of the things that these things do? We've been we've allowed ourselves to be led mm-hmm. rather than to be passive. leaders. We've been passive. Yeah. We've been passive, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's an extension. I think about this a lot. This whole topic of um, you know being a strong woman. Um, mentor for you know younger girls because Mm. i know how i was myself at that age um i think a lot of these social media channels they are it's such a hyper sexualization of women and it's basically you know they're dealing with things like prostitution that's pretty much in plain sight we're looking at mass culture if you people like reality tv shows and we're just idolizing and focusing on the wrong things and it becomes very troubling so it's also um 
so manufactured. So, so everything's manufactured. The mm-hmm. images that they are looking at on a regular basis are not realistic images. Now, whether they're manufactured through filters, you know, actual filters that you have on the cameras on your phone, totally. or whether they're manufactured because the girls are looking at pictures of women that have had Plastic so surgery. much work right. done so that they are troubling. far from being mm-hmm. anything that mm-hmm. those these girls can ever um, can ever but, ascribe to. But and you know I know it's I know there's a difference in it right but pornography prostitution cosmopolitan do you remember when we were kids do you remember when yeah. when you yeah. were young and and Cosmo every single week came out and told you girls or Teen Vogue or something probably not Teen Vogue maybe they were a little more gentle but Cosmo certainly came out if you let's say and I was never but let's say I was a 14 year old girl in 1986. If I was getting my clues from the one thing that my mother was reading or that I could find that was about women, it was telling me how to give better blowjobs, how to mm-hmm. how to be sexier. It had mm-hmm. doctored photos of women who were impossibly beautiful yeah, on the I, cover constantly. I, up, I, I know that very much. It's still the same shit. It is, but the problem is there's this, we're talking about the instantaneous uh, reaction and the way for people to hide behind maybe a digital veil. Would they say that to someone in person? And it's different. It's different now, Sam. So I'll give you an example because I was that girl. No, I agree. Too. It's different. Okay. But. So one thing that has changed is that you, as the girl, as the twelve or fourteen year old girl, were never in. The magazine. You weren't making the content. Okay. You yeah. weren't the content. And you are the content now. So I'll give you I'll because give you Because we let it be that. We way. have allowed it to be. So I'll give you some examples. Um you are at oh I didn't have my phone. Let me use your phone, Jim. So you are in class. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You are in class. You are in geometry class and you don't realize it. But someone has just right. snapped your picture. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Because they can't believe that you did your hair that way. Mm. Yep. And they have now uploaded it to social media. Mm-hmm. Yep. This girl's hair is butthole ugly. Mm. Yep. And I you can't walk out of that. you walk out of class and you turn your phone on and you have been tagged in a social media post with your image that you had no idea was mm-hmm. being taken. Mm-hmm. And now 45 people have commented on how ugly mm-hmm. your hair mm-hmm. is. You were never the subject. Right, because you weren't, you weren't uploading to Cosmo. Con- it is constant. This you is, didn't, this is you, exactly a- what we were discussing last night. And it's very different. You know, boys, they don't have that. As, or the kids I'm around. You know what I mean? But girls, they are very, very aware that all girls are going through situations like this. Absolutely. Somebody, you know, we, we were dealing with this. Uh, my husband was dealing with this last night. You know, one of his players who it, somebody has a, to give you an example, this isn't the exact situation, but, you know, a little snapshot, a little video uh, Snapchat of um, somebody missing a, a a a shot. It's an air ball, and mm-hmm. now it's been shared, you know, mm-hmm. multiple times. And now everybody's like, "What a horrible basketball player! You should just quit the basketball team." And before you know it, you you have lo- you have lost your will to live because when you're going to go back to school, everybody's going to see you, and that's what everybody's mm-hmm. going to think, say, and feel. At least in your mind, they will. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what we have not been prepared to manage or prepared to handle is how do we raise them up through that? Mm-hmm. That is a debt. 
that is a, a, a foreign experience for us as women. You know, when we have daughters, we can talk through so many other things. That's something that we can't talk mm-hmm. through. One thing that I totally. do, uh, one thing that I do think we could advocate for, um, and I'm not exactly sure how to do so, but we, we could advocate for it. It doesn't seem to your point, Sam, about who's in control. Yeah. It doesn't seem yeah. like the people who are in control <laughs> uh-huh. of this electronic digital age are very motivated mm. to 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 help no. create no, boundaries. No. Well, right. let me tell you something. We are we are actively and honestly working on that. And I and I can I'll tell you exactly why because when I was a kid, alcohol was was a commodity that a person could buy. When I was when I was 12 years old, I could walk into a store and I could probably buy my own 22. Mm. I don't know that there was a law against me buying a gun when I was a kid. There may mm. have been, but I could certainly have gotten my, you know, an older adult to come with me. I mm. could definitely buy ammo. Mm. Uh, cigarettes were still a thing. Pornography was still a thing. Mm. I was my access to those things was restricted and limited. Mm. And somehow or other, we as adults have managed to allow the most powerful tool, mm. the, the most powerful weapon at times, and instrument of good, all kind of mixed into one, we've allowed it to j- basically essentially go unregulated mm. by us. Yeah. We, have not, we have not taken the time to say, right. all right, well, this is a cool thing that you've created social media. But actually, I don't want, it, the, I don't want for there to be the ability to have that uploaded. I don't... Yeah want phones in my schools maybe it's an absolute uh, flat out ban on yeah, phones in schools you, like, yeah, how i didn't do i didn't have access allow. to a phone mm-hmm. when i was a kid mm-hmm. they weren't there was a pay phone somewhere mm-hmm. but i got in trouble if i went to use it mm-hmm. do you, you allow know? them for like, no the so yeah. um i there are a number of districts across the country that have gone uh, no phone districts yeah. um where you know you have to lock it up when you walk in mm-hmm. to the building every day um and those those educators, even the parents, are happy mm-hmm. yeah. with that outcome. Um, I can speak intimately, obviously, on behalf of Minneapolis Public Schools. Minneapolis Public Schools has a has a district policy right now that says, in elementary school, you cannot have a phone, period. Mm-hmm. You cannot bring a phone to school. In middle school, you can bring a phone to school, and you can be on it before school starts and after school is over. Right. And in high school, the district policy says that you can have a phone on campus, and you can be on your phone during passing time, mm-hmm. during lunchtime, mm-hmm. and before and after school. Well, what that's created is a very difficult way to implement mm-hmm. because basically you're saying, well, during that 55-minute block of class time, you can't be on your phone, but you're all walking around you know, right. every other moment of the day and still capturing and everything. Still capturing everything. Um, and so uh, North at North High, um, we came out really strong this school year and said we are going to implement this policy to the fullest. Obviously, the policy allows for you to be on your phone during lunch, during passing time, before and after school. We can't police that, but during class time, we are going to put our foot down and you are not going to be on your phone during class time. Um, What we said is that if you take your phone out while class is in session, your teacher will give you a warning, please, you know, Jim, please put your phone away. Um, And if you refuse to do so, or if you take it out again, you need to put it on the teacher's desk. Now that is a huge consequence for a teenager. I mean, to be separated from their phone is to like be separated from life. life. Yeah, it yeah, is. but I, we, you know, we were passing notes. 
Absolutely. Right? And when they found us passing a note, shit, you might even get sent to the principal's Absolutely. office for set, for passing so a it's note. It's comparable. I mean, right? yeah, let alone taking pictures, playing games, yeah. and do you uh, and, well, and also cheating, too. cheating, right. and because whatever else. You How might about be. watching whole movies on Netflix? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. During I mean, class, <laughs> we've, right? I can imagine. If, what if the note he sent me was a whole movie on Absolutely. Netflix? Wouldn't right. I get in trouble for right? I mean, that's. We need to think of this differently. Right. And I don't understand, and I've talked to other people about this, but... But can I say one thing about we need to think about this differently, Sam? I think that we get easily intimidated by the technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Right? Mm -hmm. Right. So I think it's similar to like when my husband is trying to figure out like how to upload something to Facebook, right? (laughs) And he's like, 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 wait, what button am I supposed to push again? So I think even those of us that may think of ourselves as a little bit tech savvy Mm -hmm. still get a little bit intimidated by the generations under us because there's so much more savvy than us so then we kind of back so then we kind of i feel like we kind of back off a little bit like uh whereas we should be doing the opposite getting back to the film yeah right we should be pressing into it making it our business putting our foot down and saying no you will be the leaders and i think just one quick thing it's about holding some of these companies and just holding them accountable, accountable. And, and talking about it. Them because and ourselves. And ourselves, too. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's, uh, you know, since we're starting our business, I was just talking about this yesterday. Social media is a part of, needs to be a part of your marketing plan, in right. air quotes here. Mm-hmm. And I hate doing it. And right. I'm going to say it to the, right. the I think we should just stop at some point here. I just think it's... Uh, if we're not going to play the game, then let's really not play the game. It's, mm-hmm. we're, we feel compelled, so we have to create this calendar and put out this content. And I want to put out content that's meaningful, that means something to us. I don't want to be that person that says, you have to post two times a day, and one needs to be a video, and you need to like, and you need to comment. Yeah. It's like, that's a waste of my time. You need to get other people to like, and other people to, to comment. Yeah. Right. And meeting people and talking. Yeah, it's sort of a void after. So You know, it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. And oh, it yeah, feels my, meaningless. It is, it yeah. Is. For sure, it is. but it is funny. I just want to, yeah, you know, because I'm so old. You know, the transformation <laughs> of technology. You know, like I remember when Walkmans came out. Yeah. You know, and I was in school when that happened. You know, it's like all of a sudden, like you know, you could listen to music. And I mean, we were lis- we were trying to listen to music in class, sneaking it with mm-hmm. headphones on. Right. I mean, it was Big so headphones. obvious. Can you take the headphones off? Right. Yeah, and that was like a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just this constant you know evolution also, yeah. yeah i mean we're, we, but we're we we failed to keep up with too. this one adults mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. i mean i feel like well my, because it also happened like that it did mm-hmm. it i did. mean it really did and I my mean, 10 and 12 year old are i mean they're they're taught relatively extensive uh sex ed and and mm-hmm. that you know extends back to home where i you know do what i think is appropriate mm-hmm. and teach them the rest of it right mm-hmm. Is there a single tech ed class that they've taken that teaches them not to get on Snapchat mm-hmm. and that things last digitally that you can you know that you mm-hmm. should not bully each other like yeah. is that why why would we teach this thing and yeah. not the other and not that yeah. when this seems to be the thing that's really getting to them right You're now absolutely right you know so mm-hmm. I th- I think we need to put a program together where. Yeah, you, you you know you you bring adults in who can talk to them honestly and just say look sex is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sex ed not every parent loves that you teach their kids sex ed Mm -hmm. not every parent is going to love the fact that you teach them tech ed Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but listen girls don't put yourselves naked on the Mm -hmm. on the things Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. someone needs to actually tell a 12 year old Mm -hmm. that Mm because they don't know otherwise Mm -hmm. they're not sure 
Mm-hmm. So no, you're right. We're behind the eight ball on that one. It's yeah, a, but I think it's um, it requires just more discussion. Yeah, yeah, more, more number, talks like this. A number of educators are <laughs> taking it on themselves, of you course, know, um, to have those conversations. But there is it, it has it been formalized? No, right. I think I, I think it really formalized. needs to be, mm-hmm. and soon. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mari. Wow. This was this was uh, this, is, this, this was great. like a, a touch more intense than we we didn't even get to the part where we ask you like what do you do for fun, you know all of the rest of it. Would you? I walk into podcasts that I have no idea. What I'm, <laughs> yeah. what I'm I don't there know. For, for was fun. this fun? Yeah, well, in the beginning. Well, it, yeah, it's good, it right? Was, yeah. yeah, I think it was. I mean, when I say intense, I think in in the best possible way. Yeah, I, I mean there was a lot of really good thinking well it'd be fun to carry this further too you it know, would have you come back if you'd like to you know because in I fact you should start one of questions still for you mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. thank you right. for having me thanks for coming. yeah thanks mari yeah, thank, thank you thank so you. much for coming in thanks Hopefully oh anything you, you need to anything you need to want or want to say like how, how yeah how we always let people your, the documentary so uh the documentary is in two places right now it is on amazon prime um, and it is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They have um, a Love Them First website. That's where uh, the directors and the producers kind of do everything through there. And you can find, it's lovethemfirst.com, and you can find all the links on there. Um, but more importantly, um, I just, I would love for people to feel um, empowered I think mm-hmm. I, I think I would I, I just I want people to feel empowered and not feel like this is what it is and there's nothing we can do about it and I want people to feel like there is something we can do about it and maybe that little something is um, a conversation around you know the bonfire with your neighbors mm-hmm. where y- you're comfortable wrestling and yeah. grappling mm-hmm. yeah um, with with things that you haven't been comfortable before maybe that conversation is being willing to uh, challenge kind of um the things as we know it and do some technical adaptations yep. mm-hmm. to our current reality but um i just i really want to encourage people to um just walk their walk their talk you know mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. people put quotes up around our heroes and heroines of the past our our ancestors our 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 superhumans that did superhuman work and yet um and yet they choose not to you know, mm-hmm. um, but if that's the quote that you live by, then live by it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a hard time believing that Mother Teresa needed to take a mental health day. You know? <laughs> so well, would you hold it against her? If she I did? wouldn't, but I, no. but I think, I think like if you, you know, if you, if you really want to embody some of the people who went before us and made sacrifices, then be willing to make sacrifices yourself. Very well said. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, we're seeing in people that we've had on the show we're seeing in kind of I think it's just sort of second nature in a certain way for us in this group and kind of us the people we've pulled in if there's a problem and it needs solving and you don't know the exact next step you just put one foot mm-hmm. ahead one foot of, the in front of the other mm-hmm. and you just keep going mm-hmm. and you work it out that's right so all right thank you thank, thank you, you Mari. thank you All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care. Mm-hmm.